Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Front Porch Political Talk Show with your host, Hatton Humphrey, bringing you thoughtful comments on the news of the day, as well as lessons from the past and insights into things to come. We offer our comments and invite you to add your own. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, May 8th, 2016. This is the Front Porch Political Talk Show. My name is Hatton Humphrey, and I thank everybody for listening in. Our show is produced through TalkShoe, which provides two ways for you to participate. You can dial in area code 724-444-7444. TalkCast ID is 75570. You can also join us on the web-based talk, uh, text chat yeah, at uh, TalkShoe.com slash TC slash 75570. Um, we also stream the recording session into Shores Lounge on Cheertopia. We thank uh, the, the Second Life Cheerleading Squad and the Republicans of Second Life um, for their support. Uh, those live recording sessions happen every Sunday night at at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. So join us there if you, if you can. If you cannot, if you're listening to us on Red State Talk Radio on Stitcher.com, iTunes, your favorite podcast catcher, or any of the myriad ways that you can listen to us, uh, you can send us email comments at conservativepodcast at gmail.com, or you can post them on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash talk. Uh, the website has links to all of the articles that we originally lined up to talk about. And just just a quick side note about the show notes. We pick nine stories to talk about every week. Um, It's guaranteed that we'll get through at least one of them. (laughs) Um, So the other articles, if you find them, find one that you... I I want to make an editorial comment. Go ahead. Is guaranteed that we will begin at least one of them. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So we make tangents, and and if there's an article that we don't get to that you wanted to voice a comment on, or if you don't agree with us, or if you do agree with us, drop us an email or send us a comment. Again, conservativepodcast at gmail dot com or facebook dot com slash front porch political talk. And while you're on the Facebook page, be sure to click the like button. Let us know that you're there. Oh, tonight we're talking about what this means. Um, Every week we talk about different articles, but this week from regulations to elections and even some investigation, uh, the news has been filled with speculation about the future. Um, Those are the things that we're going to look about. And uh, the, the opening article, which is generally fun, funny, or, you know, heartwarming, you know, we talked about the um oh what was it going to be called the the Bodie McBoatface uh they the um there was a public poll in England in which a research vessel an arctic research vessel was um 
was named, and the poll uh, apparently overwhelmingly chose the name Bodie McBoatface. Um, I, I guess that was the choice of the uh, of the citizens of the UK or of the world that participated in this online poll. So However, it says something about the British proletariat, doesn't it? It does because one one guy recommended the you know just posted it you know in the insert your name here or insert name here he just said Bodie McBoatface and overwhelmingly everybody else went what the hell um, but apparently and it received more than one hundred and twenty four thousand votes in the online poll that was set up by Britain's Natural Environment Research Council more than ten times. Um, the 11,000 votes that the actual ship's name received. And that actual, the ship is not going to be called the Bodie McBoatface. It will be named Sir David Attenborough. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking Bodie McBoatface got more votes than the new Muslim mayor of London. <laughs> that's, that's possible as well. <laughs> it, but what does this are, mean? Those people are on an island by themselves. Well, that's true, isn't it? They're on yeah, a, they're, they're on, they are on an island by themselves. The the Muslim voters or no, they, the the vote the United Kingdom. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they are on an island by themselves. Very they're accurately kind of, put. Kind of off the sea. <sighs> so Mo- moving on. So so the UK science minister jo- uh, Joe Johnson torpedoed the uh, Bodie McBoatface tag despite its status as an internet darling. Um, saying the research ship, the largest and most advanced in British history, needed a more suitable name. So it will be named the Sir David Attenborough. Guess guess what the highly intelligent, carefully designed, quick-thinking drone ship on board the Sir Attenborough will be named? Um, Bodie McBoatface. You're lucky. <laughs> they, 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 they found a way to kind of finesse off the name to the drone, which I thought was a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. Originally, originally, my my what's this mean is that you know when it comes to internet polls, one don't ever take them seriously, and two, um, if you're an official government organization, dear sweet God, don't let it open to the public. <laughs> And if, and if you're a drone on a research ship, you're screwed. <laughs> well, well, if if nothing else, the um, the 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 deep sea life in, in the Arctic will will have a good chuckle when they see the name. Yeah, they deserve it. They're they're abused. They are abused. So moving on. Um, the, the next article is from Time, and I inserted two words into the headline. Uh, and the the headline here is how North Carolina's LGBT bill is hurting parenthood. That was the official um, the, the the official title. I added same sex before parenthood because this article quite clearly points out that a same-sex couple 
in Charlotte, North Carolina, made the decision that they wanted to become parents. Um, and, you know, we were excited by the thought of raising a child in a city that we both love, and we felt supported and protected as a same-sex couple because the city had just passed a law that would have prevented public businesses from discriminating against us based on our sexual orientation. But the North Carolina enacted House Bill 2, which overturned local anti-discrimination measures and blocked other cities in the state from passing anti-discrimination laws. Soon after, we experienced what the law now licenses through the state. We were turned away from a fertility clinic based on our sexual orientation. Um, so, so the long and short were of this story is... Were they turned is, away from the clinic or were they turned away from the bathrooms at the clinic? They were turned away from the clinic. Um, I think that was an overextension of the, of the, of the law. Uh, the law was about bathrooms, I thought. No. The oh. law overturned Charlotte's... Um, Bathroom No, it, it overturned the anti-discrimination bill in total, which included the bathroom portion. Okay. So the fertility clinic, um, when I... I Basically, she said they were called by a staff member um, and canceled their appointment. When she asked for more details, she was told that the clinic didn't serve same-sex couples. Even though the clinic originally expressed no problems booking us for an appointment, they were now going back on their offer of service. Um, one week later, the clinic's website was changed um, to add a new provision specifically excluding anyone who was using donor sperm. Under the new law, not only can the clinic change its policies, but my wife and I aren't protected under any laws. We can't file a discrimination complaint with the local community relations committee, and we can't have our case investigated. So they've, the, the end piece of this is this couple has joined in in a lawsuit against the bill. Um, you know, the... HB1 basically voided Charlotte's law in total. Now, it also that that also means that the the discrimination pieces that that they're talking about, which I'm not going to say don't exist, um, are are back in play because if if Charlotte had a law saying that you couldn't discriminate against customers based on sexual orientation and then and that people could have access to whichever bathroom they identified with, HB2 overturned that. Should it have been more nicely more strategically worded, probably, if the goal was to deal with the bathrooms only um and, and Toucan in 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 talk shoes says aren't aren't private aren't businesses private enterprises not public yes and that has been one of the that's been part of the back and forth play of you know can businesses reserve the right to refuse based on something that at its foundation is discriminatory I got a question go ahead. 
the freaking world is on fire. The, mm-hmm. the, the Russians are trying to take over Eastern Europe again. The Muslims are taking over the Mideast violently. Uh, India and Pakistan are about to do nuclear war on each other. Freaking Red China is taking over the South China Sea. We are arming the Philippines up to their gonads with with nice violent toys. China, J- Japan is debating whether they're going to start making their own freaking nuclear bombs. And I can go on for another hour and a half with this stuff. And we, this uh, this uh, astute organization, every Sunday talks about who gets to piss where in what bathroom. I think we've talked about this enough, and we should never, ever, ever talk about this again. I'm not talking about the bathroom bill. I'm talking about... You're talking about people with sexual orientation and what they get to do and where they get to do it. And, mm-hmm. and we do this every week. We talk about this. I think we're obsessed with this. This is the least urgent thing on the human psyche on the planet on this Sunday afternoon. Okay. We, we need to stop talking about that. I don't care about that. You know, if, if they got a piss on a tree, I don't care. If if they get artificially inseminated with a horse, I don't care. We we have so much more important to talk about and worry about than whether my particular religious beliefs are being uh, uh, enhanced or uh, limited. It's just stupid. Let's talk about stuff that the world depends on. Well. I kept I mean, starting I, everything. I, I don't mind talking I, about this every, how about we say we always talk about this LBGT stuff once a month, not every week. Okay. By the way, it's no longer just LGBT. They've added about seven letters. But let's talk I about know that. I know yeah. that. I'm, I'm deliberately leaving them off for spite. <laughs> I know. I I literally had to go in and, and search. What the heck does all, do all these things mean? Because I had one article where it went out like, Half a frickin' page. I think they decided to just add alphabet soup at the end. Um, what well, everyone okay. does not understand is the key to world peace is to have Palestinians and Jews pee at the same trough. To have Muslims and Christians pee at the same trough, no matter their sexual orientation, even though one religion will murder them for that orientation, if China was able to pee in the South China Sea instead of having to deal with international trade regulations, they would be much happier. If Russia was able to go into the ladies' room in Ukraine, they would not have to take over the country. Our president is a genius because he realizes that the way for world peace is to let a man who may be a pervert go pee in the ladies' room. Okay, I'm finished. Okay. And and that finishes our comedy section for this article. Thank you. Something that I'll say. I, I will be gone for a short while opening another bottle of booze. <laughs> let, let me just say this real quick before you before you pull out the corkscrew there, Larry. Yes, sir. One of the things... That I've been focusing domestically. I have not been focusing on on international because this 
administration and indeed Democrats in general focus on domestic. They don't focus on well, foreign yeah, policy. That, that's fine, and I, I respect that. But even domestically, Hat, we have many more important, many more urgent things to talk about than these semi-inflated, uh, frankly, seriously inflated LGBTXYZQ issues that only affect a very small number of people and, and very frankly, uh, the, the, the dire consequences of having to piss in a different bathroom uh, really aren't worth us getting excited about. We, we, domestically, we have a lot more important things to talk about than the issues that they keep raising up for us to talk about that are of essentially no consequence even to themselves. These are not important issues. They are not suffering. They are not being deprived of the right to piss in a bathroom. It's, it's inconsequential. And, and we have a, an educational institution that, that is deliberately, maliciously brainwashing our children. We have a military that has been cut in half. Uh, we, we have our best generals being forced into retirement I mean, it goes on and on. We, we finally, for the first time in a couple of generations, have a very distinct selection for president that we can talk about. I don't care about where certain people get the pee. It's not important. It's of no consequence to me. It's of no consequence to 99% of the Americans. Let's talk about stuff that is consequential to us. I'm like... Now, now I'm going to get my bottle of wine. Okay, go I get your like, bottle of wine. I would like to read the case studies of the number of men who dressed as women who were lynched. How many of them were made to ride in the back of the bus? And how many of them had Mississippi burning? Because I don't see that happening. They, they, kind of, they want to equate the gay rights movement with the civil rights movement. But you are you are conflating apples and oranges in that respect, mm -hmm. and it's it's laughable that you have a party who cares more about where a person goes wee wee and boom boom than you do the economic struggles of this country, the international relations of this country, and all the other host of issues that are more important than a guy wearing a dress who wants to go to the ladies' room. Okay. Well, let's let's as as Larry said, let's let's go ahead and move on to the next article then. Um and and I don't, you know, quite honestly know how how much time I want to spend talking about the FDA and e-cigarettes. Um you know, we're talking about an industry that was just created within the last 4 years. Um, one that there is no regulation, one that has serious issues in some cases. You know, some of the some of the hardware that's been created blows up in people's faces, causes physical damage. Um, you know how how much of an importance do we pu do we put? on the fact that the FDA is now looking to, in the U.S. News & World Report's um, headline phrase, stomp 
the industry. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start into this article, and you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much time we want to spend on it. Uh, according to this, um, you know, innovation will soon grind to a halt, and after two years, nearly all existing e-cigarettes and nicotine-laced liquids will be yanked off store shelves. Advocates for the products fear after the FDA on Thursday finalized stringent regulations. But with hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of America, Americans already ditching combustible tobacco for the devices that heat the, a nicotine-laced liquid, there's a significant potential for continued black market if the fears come true. The new FDA rules were proposed in April 2014 and debated at length before Tuesday's abrupt announcement. They include uncontroversial bans on sales to minors and sales from vending machines. Those, those make sense. Um, but they also contain heavy compliance cost and opaque review process. The barriers to continued legal access are twofold. Companies must within two years submit pre-market tobacco application papers with the FDA, which will take on average 1,500 hours to process with an additional 213 hours for related environmental review. Um, and once applications are submitted, there's no guarantee the FDA will give it the green light. Um, so those are the two barriers to entry. So the FDA is basically treating e-cigarette manufacturers, the people that make the make the liquid, that make the the um, vaporizers, um, they're treating them as if they're tobacco companies from the sound of it. I um, know where are the people who are making the decisions getting money from? Because it sounds to me that they're getting it from big tobacco. Because if you, if you read any study done in the last five years on the effects of e-cigarettes and the curving of cigarette smoking because of that, you will see that many people decide to quit through e-cigarettes. And finally, yep. they really do kick the habit. Now, you have the FDA who's saying, well, these things are bad, quote-unquote. But we all know that the big tobacco lobby has been influencing the government for the last 100 years, if not longer. So how much is that lobbying influence curtailing the decision made by the FDA. Well, you know, the the thing that always yeah, I, I agree, you know, that there's that there's definitely that that question mark there and and um the the thing that makes me chuckle is the fact that Philip Morris is in the business of making e-cigarettes along with the regular cigarettes. So, you know, if if they helped debate these rules or write these rules, you know, they've got the manpower to um to to spend the 1500 hours and the 213 hours of review and all of that. But beyond that, you know, let's let, let's just call it for what it is. Um well, I, you I know, agree with that because Philip Morris, R.J. Reynolds, and all the other cigarette manufacturers are getting into the e-cigarette market just because they know that once their clientele decides to wean themselves off of their major products, they're going to have something to fall back on. Now, the mm-hmm. e-cigarette market, through 
Philip Morris or R.J. Reynolds or all the other hosts of them, it's nothing but a small niche market. Philip Morris does not make their cigarettes, does not make their money off of their e-cigarette markets. They make no. it off of Marlboro. And R.J. Reynolds, they make it off of Camel. They don't make it off of their version of an e-cigarette. So all this is is a contingency plan by both of those companies and the whole host of cigarette manufacturers who have decided to get into the e-cigarette market because they see what's going on. Right. And while the FDA, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and shift, shift targets here, while the FDA is talking about practically banning, well, they're not banning, they're, it's the same concept as, um, it's the same concept that they've applied to everything else. Let's let's just make it make the point of entry requirement so onerous that it, that nobody can enter. Um, Ohio, and this is going to be a quick article as well, uh, is voting. The the House uh, is voting on allowing for medical marijuana, which includes vaporization, using devices similar to electronic cigarettes. Um, you know, it's, it's funny cause as I'm, as you know, I, I tried e-cigarettes at one point, I actually quit smoking with the gum, but as, as I'm sitting here looking at, at e-cigarettes, there's down in one case, there's this device that looks just like your standard, you know, vape unit that instead of hooking up a liquid, uh, cartridge, you put some kind of herb. It's called an herb vaporizer. In in a little chamber, you close it, and you can vape away on that herb. Um, so, yeah, I wonder if there's a tie to that concern as well. You know, the, the, the medical marijuana bill in Ohio um, is, you know, um, allow its use in plant material, oil, patch, tincture, and edible form or vaping, but you can't smoke it. So, um, well, here's and... My, it, here's my answer to this, to this argument. And this is a very libertarian viewpoint. Mm-hmm. We own our bodies. So we should therefore be able to decide what we as the owners of our bodies put into such instances. The problem is when you have a government that decides that you are not smart enough to decide what you're going to do with the ownership of your body. So, therefore, we're going to regulate that for you. And that's the whole, that's the whole point of this issue. If you want to smoke cigarettes or you want to smoke weed or you want to smoke crack or a host of other things that you want to smoke, why can't you do it because you are in ownership of your body? As long as I don't have to make have to pay for you getting well. If 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 you do yourself in and ruin your body, fall in a damn ditch and croak. Don't bother me with your problems. Exactly. And there's the libertarian answer to your libertarian view. No, no. Yeah, and and, and that's that, that's my libertarian question. No. Yes it is. That's the conservative answer to my libertarian question. If, as a conservative, I will say, I do not care as long as I don't have to pay for it. What's wrong with that answer? What's wrong with that answer? There's nothing wrong with that answer. That is is the correct answer in my viewpoint. 
You are responsible for your actions. If you destroy your body, then I don't have to glue it back together for you. Exactly. So and, in mean, mean, and, and, and in the meantime... I got my booze. Other people have weed. Let's stop talking about this. You guys go get yourself brain dead, and I will get myself brain dead with a different type of medicine, and, and let's just leave each other alone. Well, and and in the meantime, hold on a second. Oh. And in the meantime, we've got um, liberal mayors opening up, uh, opening up or or expanding um, opium uh, rehabilitation services, or, or not opium heroin rehabilitation services, and opiate rehab services. Now, if if you've got your pod, if somebody else has got their cigarettes, if somebody else has got their booze, you know these folks get their get their you know oxys, and all of a sudden, you know we've got you know a, a an opiate ad- a epidemic, and yes, that word has been used on local media here, and I'm talking specifically about you know the Western New York area, but. From what I've seen, it's you know everybody's everybody apparently is trying to um, escape reality through one form or another, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying that you know the different viewpoints spend different dollar amounts. Let, let's ask a fundamental question. Mm-hmm. Now, this is this is like the war on poverty. We've had a war on drugs for a, much longer than we've had a war on poverty. How successful have we been in keeping people from escaping from their realities? The answer is no. we have, we have had very. no working success at all. It's, it's, we put a lot of people in jail. We have spent an unconscionable amount of money, and anybody who wants to escape from reality will find a way. And if we block one method of doing that, they find another. I mean, they will snort airplane glue. You know, when I was a kid, somebody figured out that airplane glue was almost as good as heroin. And and a lot of guys glued their noses shut with that. Well, shame on them. But my point is, this is is a fool's errand. We're not making anything better. People will circumvent any law that we put in their way if they really, really, really want to bury their troubles. Well, this is where libertarianism, liberalism, and conservatism meet that fork in the road. As a libertarian, one would say, let your let the person control their body. Let whatever substances they want to put in their body, let them have it. Now, once you open up that Pandora's box, you have the liberals who say, well, let the government take care of them. And on the other side, the conservatives will say, Let's not have the government take care of them. And the problem with the war on poverty, the war on drugs, and all the other makeshift wars that this country creates for itself is you have two distinct ideologies that come to that say one will take care of you and the other one will say let you take care of yourself. And that's where the conflict occurs. Well, there's with the war on drugs. The conservatives say, let's put the drug dealers in jail. There's a On the other hand, here. the liberals will say, let's give 
free needles and because they're safer than secondhand needles. There's a, there's a fourth there's a fourth thread here that you left out. And and the fourth thread is okay, it was a noble effort. The war on poverty was a noble effort. The war on drugs was a noble effort. Um and, and without whether we're trying to overreach or not, the wars failed. We were absolutely unsuccessful. We need to understand that our efforts were were useless. We need to drop the struggle and let the thing play out on its own, whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing, whether it was liberal or conservative, it has failed. Let's that's quit. not really the, the fourth element. That's really the libertarian view of it. Because the libertarian view of it is straight down the road, you're controlling of your own self. That's it. You don't want government involving in either way. The conservative and the liberal aspect of it is, let's have government intervene in some kind of fashion, be it pro-drugs or anti-drugs. Now, you, you do that with a host of any other social issues you have in this country. And you understand why the libertarian movement is getting a foothold, because conservatism and liberalism as at its face in this country has failed on all elements, because there is that conflict. There is that animosity towards one another. You know, I don't, I'm not going to get into why it failed. I'm only saying we need to acknowledge that it failed, and we need to stop wasting our efforts on it. We have stuff that we have a better chance of succeeding at, like stalling Putin, like getting the South China Sea back, like repairing our roads and infrastructure. Those are all things that had we spent the amount of money we spent on the war on drugs or the war on poverty on infrastructure, we'd have the finest roads in the world. As Which it is, right. we've got some of the worst. You're right. But the war on poverty, the war on drugs, the war on any host of imaginary conflicts in this country, it's all perpetuated by money. All of it. The war on poverty has spent trillions of dollars with a capital T, yet this country is no more free of poverty than it was 40 years ago. It's the worse. same thing with the war on drugs. It's worse because mm-hmm. the, the federal government doles out money to municipalities to fight problem X, Y, or Z, and nothing gets done because as long as the money keeps going, there's going to be a problem found. So the, the best way to stop the war on drugs, the best way to stop the war on poverty, is to turn off the spigot which allows the money to be dispersed. I'm ready to move on. I don't know about you guys. I've had the next article up for about the last three minutes. Um, and, and this is actually one that you sent me, Larry. Um, by the way, I'm going to put a pause real quick. Um, if listeners have find an article during the week that they, that they think should be um, at, least in, at least considered for inclusion on the show, um, I can't guarantee it, but you can always share it to the Facebook page or you can uh, email it to conservativepodcast at gmail.com. Um, Larry sent this one over, um, the, the Make America Mexico Again, Why Americans Are Fed Up With Illegals. Um, 
there's something a bit unsettling about watching violent, foul-mouthed protesters waving the Mexican flag on American soil. Over the weekend, Hispanic children lined the streets in Fort Wayne, Indiana, hurling filthy insults at Donald Trump supporters. Um, they dropped the F-bomb and flipped off, off passers-by. Uh, video... Video captured images of the angry protesters wearing sombreros and holding signs that read, and I kid you not, brown pride. Uh, A similar protest turned violent last week in Southern California as a horde of illegals and their supporters violently attacked Trump supporters, police, and even a horse. Um, Cole Bartromo, Bartromo identified by local media as a Trump supporter, needed a half dozen stitches after the mob bashed open his head. Um, yeah, so this so, is... So here's, here's, the, here's the fundamental question. Mm-hmm. If Mexico is so great, why did they leave? If they want to have Mexico in America, they already had Mexico in Mexico. Why did they come here? Now... Some of them came because there aren't any jobs in Mexico. Some of them came because the cops were absolutely corrupt and despicable in Mexico, and they wanted to live free and work and and have a a, a regular living. Now, Trump and others would point out some of them came here because they want to have freedom from accountability, like in Mexico, they, they don't want to have any requirement to speak well or learn a language, even Spanish, and speak it well. They don't want to go to school. They don't want to strive. They don't want to risk failure that they can't blame on somebody else. And that's why they want Mexico in America, because their freedom to just be louts is in Mexico, and they want it in the, in the United States the same way. And those people need to get sent back to Mexico. And those are the people that Trump keeps raving about. And, and those are the people who are most loud about wanting Mexico back in America because they, they respect, they prefer the lack of accountability from which they came. Well, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, the, um, if you go to the... I've got to I've got to fix the website. Um, the show notes for last week's show included an article that we didn't get to, entitled "That's It, I Support Trump." And the reason that that particular article, you know, resonated was because of what happened in California. Um, it was posted by um, Dr. John. I don't know who Dr. John is, but um, it was talking specifically about these Mexican protesters um, and you know their their violent reaction to Donald Trump. Donald Trump. If they don't like it here, we are offering them free bus tickets home. Right? Right. I, I, not nobody's, taking, nobody's taking the bus tickets. Yeah, and, you know, the thing, the thing that they have to, the thing that they are doing, 
is they are making the point for Donald Trump. They are. They they are absolutely making the point for Donald Trump. And, you know, you can you can argue his policies politely and without violence. You can even argue them heatedly without violence and not make his point as much as these people have made made it for him. I want to I want to share a bit of personal experience. Right. A lot of people don't know it or they don't want to acknowledge it. But upstate New York has a huge population of illegal immigrants, mm-hmm. Hispanics. I mean, they're an untold number of them. And they're the people who, who make the dairy industry in upstate New York profitable. And I, and I know quite a few of them personally. I, I even try my Spanish out on them once in a while. They work their nuts off. They spend money, send money home to their families. They are honest, hardworking people. They don't want America, uh, uh, Mexico to come to America. They're in America, and they want to keep it American. And, and, and very frankly, they, they love it here. Uh, they much prefer it to where they were. There's things they'd like to change, but they don't ever, ever, ever want to go back and I've never seen one of them even wear a Mexican flag pin on his collar. That, that's one truth. The other truth is there, there is a segment of those people, the illegal immigrants in the United States, who are not working hard, who came here for the welfare state and want the Mexican uh, laissez-faire attitude toward corruption and criminal behavior to be incorporated to import it into the United States. Those are the people that Trump is upset about, and as you said, Ed, they are making his point. Underlining mm-hmm. it. Thank you. Yeah. No, and 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 realistically, you know, <clears throat> this is this is more of, you know, Trump barely had to spend anything on his presidential or on his primary campaign because the media, the the media gave him all the free coverage that he wanted. He he barely has to spend anything on uh, on making examples because the people that he's talking about are making examples for him. It's like the wall between us and Mexico. <laughs> he wants Mexico to pay for the wall, and the media paid for his advertising. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's do the thought exercise. If you are faced with, I'm sorry, if you are given everything on a silver platter. And it comes to a point where there is someone who wants to take away that platter. Won't you protest against them? Well, that's, here's that's the, the here's the difference. Here's the difference, and uh, and I'll and I'll turn your, your your thought question around on you. How would you protest it? And 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 and, and that's the that's part of the the point that I was trying to make, and that you know they're making Donald Trump's point for him is yes they're going to protest they're you know they they're going to complain they're going to they they're going to do you know all the verbal things but when it crosses the line from you know from rallies from speeches from you know from you know funding campaigns and from you know 
debate and converse, debate and heated even conversation and goes into the realm of violence then then that has crossed a a, a very tangible line well, we can look at history because there are two types of protesters throughout history there are the Christ-like Gandhi-like people who were nonviolent and then there are the people like Bill Ayers or the uh, Irish Republican Army or a host of other factions who decided that it's best to take up arms. Chesimar. Exactly. There, there are two camps you can go through. One will lead you to your salvation over a long period of time. The other may be instantaneous, depending on the ruling people. And how they respond. Overthrow. And how they respond. <laughs> well, you know, and it's interesting because the, the 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 Mexicans aren't the only one that ones that are protesting Donald Trump. Um, the GOP, as a party, has a problem with Donald Trump. Um, you know, I, I pulled this article, this next article, much earlier in the week. Um, Paul Ryan has decided to. Um, uh, has decided had decided not to immediately endorse Donald Trump as the presumptive nominee. Now, we can say presumptive nominee at this point because every other every other um, every other candidate has pulled out of the race. Does now, that mean? Does wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now you're you're doing exactly what I was going to complain about. That isn't exactly what happened. Ryan called him the presumptive nominee. He he agreed that Trump was the presumptive nominee. What he said was is that I'm not ready to endorse him yet. I yes. he said, I I want to. That I'm quoting him now. He said I want to do that, but we have to get some things done. We need to work on unity. So he is you know frankly he's being completely misrepresented by the media. Uh, and very frankly, Fox News has gone out of their way to misrepresent him as though he was somehow doing the dirty deed on Trump. That's not true. If you listen to what he said, and I, I mean, they, they have replayed that soundbite over and over again. He was being very reasoned, very carefully chosen words. And, and he, what he's saying is Trump and, and the party need to get together and work this out. I want to do that, he said. He, he he did not show reluctance to, to, to endorse Trump. He said basically he's using some bargaining position to get Trump to, to do some stuff oh, that he and, would like. And Trump as to I do. said, as I said, I pulled this article earlier in the week. Later in the week, if I um, it, later in the week they announced that Trump was going to be meeting with Ryan and meeting with uh, GOP with with Rents Priebus. And with the GOP to to work on that unity. It wasn't later in the week. It was the same day. Rens Priebus announced the same day that he had arranged a meeting between the two. But you know, everybody dis, has disassociated those two events so they can slide in their snark. I mean, I'm yeah. serious. This, okay. this is a manufactured besmirchment of Donald Trump and, very frankly, of, of Paul Ryan. 
both of these guys are being painted with a black brush that neither one of them deserve for the sake of uh, uh, ratings or, or um, political ears and eyes. objectives. Yeah, ears and eyes, and yeah. And, and you know, that's. I'm not going to say you're. I'm not going to say you're wrong, because I, you know, I've I've fallen into the trap, as as most of America probably did, of not hear of not listening to all of Paul Ryan's statements and of. And they may play it again. And, and, and listen carefully. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, I I happen to agree with Ryan with what Ryan said. I am a very strong. Trump supporter, and I didn't find anything wrong with what Ryan said. I, I sort of applauded it, very frankly. I think it was a very excellent suggestion, and, and Trump was very soft on his response. He said he was surprised, uh, you know, very, very mild as far as Trump goes. I think Trump understood better than a lot of people did that what Ryan was doing was trying to glue stuff back together. He was trying to use uh, his good offices to get things moving, and that was his job. Yeah, I'll, which, I'll which honestly, analogy. that is Ryan's job. You're right. I'll use this analogy when it comes to what happened in the deal this season. It's like once the Super Bowl is played, your team who has reached the Super Bowl loses. So on that Monday after Super Bowl Sunday – you are suffering from a few of the seven stages of grief. So, but at the end, you're going to accept the winner of the Super Bowl because you know your team lost. This is kind of the same example because at the end, the GOP knows that if you do not vote for Trump, you are voting for Hillary. And nobody wants to see Hillary in the White House. At least no one with a sane mind wants to see Hillary in the White House. Uh, there's there's an article a couple of slots down that that speaks of a group of people who don't don't fit in that category. They're not of sane mind, but we'll get to them hopefully if we move along. Yeah, and and Maddie just brought up an interesting point. Um, uh, Maddie in, in Second Life brought up the point that said, "Remember in 2012 when Romney Ryan told voters." We had to get behind them or else. I guess that rule only applies to the little people. Um, you know, and as, as Larry, as you point, as you've said, you know that, you know, Ryan's job is he didn't want to accept the speakership unless there was unity in the party. Well, I I, I now processing the conversation and, and, and understanding, you know, a little bit more of what was said. I understand now. I, I kind of I, I agree. Um, you know, it, it, it is it is interesting though that <clears throat> there are there are party leaders you know, that that are specifically stating that you know we you don't have to get behind Donald Trump. Matter of fact, there's there's quite a few that are calling for an independent. You know, freaking uh, Romney. I mean, uh, on this very show, we had a, an extended discussion about are you going to take the pre- pledge to support Romney, even though he wasn't your guy. And I was one of the people who took that pledge. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't hold my nose because I thought it was unbecoming, but I, I did not enjoy voting for Mitt Romney. 
You neither uh, did I. And I'm not, and I'm not, I did not. And I am not going to go into all the reasons why, but I dutifully went there to the poll and voted for the guy. Now, that dirty rat is betraying the sacrifice I made three and a half years ago. And he's, he's, he's selling out the party that bled for him and lost to support him because he's not getting his way. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I will never forgive him for that. Well, you know, and, and the interesting thing that I found out is neither Bush 41 nor Bush 43 have backed Trump yet, but they Dick will. Cheney has. Yeah, and, you know, the, the same with Bush's. The, the, uh, Hannity said it well. He said the Republican Party has been very, very good to them. I mean, the, the Republican Party stood by them in the worst of times. The, the Republican Party stood by Bush Jr., um, you know, after mission accomplished, the, the, the complete Yahoo BS where he tried to land an airplane on a, on a freaking carrier almost killed himself. I mean, the Republican Party hung in there for the guy. And as soon as his brother lost, rightfully so, because his brother's just doesn't have the moxie for it. He he walked away from the party that stood by him for all those years. I'm ashamed of him. Well, and, and Joseph, you're saying that he that they will eventually endorse Trump. Um, well, they have no yeah. choice. And there's, oh, they they, have, they they have they have a choice. They have a choice to be okay, okay, completely okay. silent. I had an argument last night, and I'm gonna—I'm not gonna rehash the argument, but I will say this: in the current state of America's political paradigm, you have two parties. There is no third party that's going to come to the rescue. There's no white knight. Nope. There is the Republicans, and there are the Democrats. And a vote for him, for Trump is a vote for Trump. Yet a vote to stay home, a vote for a third party, a fourth party, or a fifth party, is still a vote for Hillary. You got because it. The way that the, that the deck is stacked at this point, you are either with us or you are with our enemy, to quote Star Wars. Hmm. Well, I'm, I, that's, that's an argument that – that's, that's a – Argument that we could have another time because unfortunately we're out of time. There were articles that we did not get to. Uh, if if anybody wants to send comments on those or anything that we talked about tonight, uh, email them to conservativepodcast at gmail dot com or post them on the Facebook page at uh, facebook dot com slash front porch political talk. If you liked what you heard, we ask you to blog about them about us. Tell five of your friends. Um, if you haven't liked us on Facebook, go to Facebook and click the like button. Um, tell your friends to like us on Facebook. If you didn't like what you heard, you know what? You can still email us comments. You can still post it on the Facebook page. Uh, and we will still invite you to join us next week, where you will probably hear different words in a different order. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Have a great night. Good night, Chuck. Put away that e-cigarette. Even. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.